The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha, her, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. For Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. 
But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, in his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So the Lazarus story. We all know the Lazarus story, right? Everybody knows the Lazarus story. Most people in the United States, if they heard the word Lazarus, they would know, yeah, there's a story... I think he died. Jesus raised him from the dead. They might know that. Most of us are probably thinking this morning, I don't remember it being that long. <laughs> it's a much longer story than I remembered. And it's got a lot of odd sequences in it. Strange parts of the story that don't make a lot of sense to us. But I would suggest as we look at the text that they echo our lives deeply when we hear them. The story starts out, Jesus is way in the north of the country on the other side of the Jordan River. He's not anywhere near Bethany, which is just a couple of miles on the north side of Jerusalem. He's not anywhere near. But Mary and Martha are worried about their brother Lazarus. He is ill Very, very ill. Now, it's interesting that they may have tried other things, but when things get desperate, it's time to talk to Jesus. How true is that? How many surgical waiting rooms in the United States are there desperate prayers to God in the hopes that things will go well? any number of circumstances where we might turn to God and say, God, things are not looking good. Please do something. And we often have a timeline in mind. Like, now. <laughs> right, right now. Things are bad. Do something now. And we can imagine that traveling up by the Jordan River would not have been a short journey. Somebody to take that on. It would have taken a few days to get up in that direction. It would not have been simple, but they sent somebody fast. Go and find him. Tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick. It's a familiar story to us. We might not send off a runner, but most all of us have been in a spot in our lives where we have prayed and prayed and prayed because we were afraid. It starts out in a spot that we know, a spot that we have been in. 
So the story, while it may be in Bethany 2,000 years ago, could very well be Palo Alto 2011. The word is sent to Jesus, and how does Jesus respond? Well, this illness doesn't lead to death. We're going to stick around here for a few more days. (laughs) What? (laughs) How often do we pray to God, do something now? I mean, right now. (laughs) Please, God. Our anxiety goes up, our sense that we have appealed to God and we're looking for something right now. It's this unsettled and twisted kind of spot that we are familiar with. This begging to God that there might be action right here and right now. And it's hard for us. It's not too many verses away where Mary and Martha both separately say the exact same thing when they see Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And those words feel very real to us as well. But we haven't gotten that far yet. The story takes this curious turn where spontaneously, they're still up by the Jordan River, Jesus turns around to the disciples and says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. The disciples look around and say, that doesn't sound too bad. (laughs) There's probably somebody there that could wake him up, I think. He's probably okay. It's a strange euphemism. Paul uses it all the time. Those who have fallen asleep in the faith, meaning those who have died. It would be as if somebody told us that our neighbor had passed away and us taking that to mean that they've gone on a trip and are coming back. It's kind of a strange reference, but it's also oddly understood by the disciples until Jesus tells them more directly the truth. Lazarus is dead. And now, now it's too late, right? Think about that. We know the story, right? We know how the story goes so that we might say, well, you know, Jesus, he's just going to go down there and raise him from the dead. Don't worry, it's going to be fine. But my guess is, like most of our experience, we don't see people come back from the dead all the time. They probably didn't think that was a viable option. They probably thought that that was it. That was the end of the story. We lingered too long up here. And now it's over. And now it's over. I think there are a lot of emotions that bubble up. There would be a lot of anger and frustration. I brought this to you before it was too late. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There is something about these stories that we read as we get close to Easter that feel less like they're from the first century in Palestine and more like they came from our calendar over the last few years. They are human stories, stories of God's activity in this world that resonate with us here and now in ways that are hard and in ways that bring hope. Jesus decides that this is a hard place to be. 
The first reading that we have for today from Ezekiel, we hear the famous dry bones account. And we hear this vision of life in a deserted place that a people in exile cannot imagine. There is no hope where we are. God cannot get to us. God will not act on our behalf. And the prophet says otherwise. But it's not going to be an easy trip for Jesus. The disciples right away are saying, you know, the last time we were down there, they tried to stone you. And you want to go back? As we were traveling around the Holy Lands just a couple weeks ago, it was interesting that Bethany, the hometown of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, was taken off of our itinerary because even though it's two miles from Jerusalem, it's an hour and a half around the security barrier if you can get through there. But how often do we make things hard for God? Our skepticism, our doubts, our distance from God at times where we don't turn to Him in prayer. There are all kinds of situations that make it difficult for God to come to us. But just like last week's Gospel, Jesus in many ways wasn't asked by Lazarus to come. But He has come nonetheless. Now, Thomas, this weird Eeyore character, gets all excited about going so that they can die too. It's kind of a strange sequence in the story that's hard to understand. But as they draw closer, the story starts to get more pointed. The women come out to greet Jesus, accusing Him. Again, the words, Lord, if You had been here. But notice their faith is still there. But we know You will grant whatever is needed. There is still that hope. That even though they can't imagine a way forward, that Jesus might know one. But you notice what happens as Jesus gets ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. It's as if they're suddenly understanding what he's intending to do and are scared. You're not going to open the tomb, are you? We don't open tombs once they're closed. We heard that Lazarus has been dead for four days, which is... Bible speak for really dead. (laughs) He's not just hurt or sleeping. He is really dead. In fact, graphically it says there's a smell. There's a stench. Jesus, we don't want to go there. We don't want to go there. Now it's interesting how Jesus responds. We get that great short verse, right? Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. There is this strong sense in the language of this text that Jesus is distraught. He is sad. But I would want to leave you with another word too. Jesus is angry. Jesus is very angry in this text. Not angry at the people there. Not angry at Lazarus. Not angry at the disciples. God is angry because of the pain that death causes in creation. Jesus is experiencing it in a way that He had not before. 
and he is angry. He tells them to roll away the stone, and eventually they do. And then the very Word of God that at the beginning of Genesis said, let there be light, and there was light, said, Lazarus, come out, and he came out. I don't think anybody was picturing that happening. I don't think any of the crowd sitting there would have said, well, you know, Jesus is coming next week, and I'm sure he'll just raise Lazarus from the dead. Don't worry about it. I don't think anybody was saying that. They could not see a way forward. They thought that the story was over except for the grieving. And yet when Jesus came, there was life when it was not looked for, when it was not expected. There's one important last piece here in this story. Just like in the first reading, where God prophesies to the bones, but then has Ezekiel say it. You notice that? That strange kind of two-step in the reading there? We get that in the Gospel as well. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. I think we would arguably say doing kind of the heavy lifting uh, in this miracle. But Jesus turns then to those around him and says, unbind him, let him go. Unbind him. He's unable the way he is to return to his life as he lived it before. Unbind him and let him go. Jesus calls to us today, unbind them, let them go. How many people in our world, how many of us, wake up in the morning bound by things that are stronger than we are that prevent us from living life fully as God has called us to live. God's call to us is good news that there is life when it's unexpected. But there's a command in this text. A command. Unbind them and let them go. So I would encourage you as you think about these coming weeks as we move through Holy Week to Easter, that we would be mindful that God has blazed the trail to life where it seemed like there was only death. But our job has not been to stand aside and merely clap. But rather we have been called to reach out to those around us to free them from whatever is binding them so that they might experience that life here and now. Amen.